We have got so much to talk about today. It's episode 34 of the Canary Club podcast. We've actually got some non-league news, big non-league news from the local area that's been going on involving the man himself, Brett Donnelly. Then we're taking it across Europe with Canaries Worldwide and our Champions League quarterfinal previews. And we'll be talking Sergio Aguero and where next for him. But we are going to start with an incredible weekend in the Premier League. Marek Alionic, how many games did you get stuck into this weekend as we come out of lockdown here in the UK? Well, I, I mean, football's been sort of almost like a, a little comfort blanket, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? So we've been sort of cuddling up to the football. But it's been, it hasn't been a comfort blanket, more than sort of a, an uncomfortable blanket um, in recent times. Uh, as, as you know yes. yourself, results were amazing. There were some very good ones. I mean, West Brom um, putting the torch to Mr. Tuchel, who hasn't, hasn't lost yet, and, uh, and then he gets smashed to pieces at home. Um, I don't know what happened to Chelsea there, just, just flat and, you know, maybe, maybe you know, who knows? Let's, let's start by talking about that game. I mean, I watched it um, and I thought, it was, I thought it was a really interesting one kind of coming back from the international break. I know that's something you want to talk about in a yeah. bit, kind of how that's affected both Chelsea and West Brom. Obviously, Mason Mount seemed to be a bit of a loss. Both sides going with a back three is Tuchel's preferred formation. But yeah. I mean, for West Brom, it worked perfectly for them because they could keep it tight at the back. And then the likes of Robinson and Pereira up front yeah. um, and Diania, they were just running absolute havoc, weren't they? And they looked yeah. really good. Marcus Alonso was just, you know, was really struggling throughout and he's kind of been preferred yeah. to Ben Chilwell. That looked like a poor decision, but West Brom, full credit to them. I mean, when was the last time a big Sam side scored five goals? And it doesn't happen at Stamford <laughs> Bridge. <laughs> no, don't happen at Stamford Bridge very often. But like you say, I mean, a very lap luxury um, performance from Chelsea that, um, I mean, they started off on the right foot, didn't they? And then and then it's just like they, they were concentrating too much on the celebrations uh, and, and almost thought, oh, this is going to be another stroll in the park, guys. You know, West Brom are a bit of a beating stick, uh, which is unsurprising for Sam Allardyce. Mm-hmm. Um but but then all of a sudden um, something happened, and I don't know what that something was, but uh, <laughs> it was great fun to watch. Yeah, I mean straight after the Chelsea goal, obviously Thiago Silva goes and gets himself sent off. Now it's you know that's mm. not a good time to get sent off. Not really. And I did feel for him in some ways because so he's I. trying to block the block the ball. But if he's not on a yellow card and he gets booked, I don't think there's going to be too many complaints. It's one no. of those. And then West Brom just go and, and take him apart. And when it when they came out for the second half, I was thinking the worst thing West Brom can do here mm. is to sit back and hold on to the 2-1. They've got to keep playing yeah. like they were in the first half. And they did. And Luke Brown, the only West Brom fan in the Hitchin squad, can you imagine how big a smile was on Saturday afternoon? Well, the eternal grin is just going to be even more <laughs> grinnier, isn't he? Hitchin's favourite smile as he's... I mean, he's probably still smiling now. Uh, and, and I don't blame him at all because... Um, then the front three for West Brom, put, like you say, they pushed forward and they saw a weakness now with Thiago Silva off the pitch. Um, and it paid off for him. It paid dividends. I mean, Sam Allardyce, I've never seen him jumping around either. His chewing gum nearly fell out. You know, it was funny, a picture of him with his feet up at Stamford Bridge and all that. And, yeah, it was, <laughs> More power it, it was great. He, he couldn't believe it. And it was just funny, like Big Sam, normally if West Brom miss a glaring chance, it's when they're 1-0 down and he's rightfully yeah. going to be fuming. But they, when they were missing chances on Saturday, it was like, well, the difference between 5-0 or 6-0 or whatever the score was in the end and just yeah. ran away with it in the end. And you've got to give credit to them. We talked about promotion and relegation last week. Are West yeah. Brom still going down in your eyes? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's great to see anybody spank Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, and I do, I like Sam Allardyce and I know he's going to be there and he's going to be trying. And he, he seems to have got them front free firing at the moment. But I think it's just um, maybe just a little bit too late for, for, for him at the moment. I mean, I, I hope so. It would be nice. But then you've got to start looking into who's going to replace him in there. But I think I think they've gone, unfortunately. So unlucky Luke Brown. <laughs> He'll keep smiling anyway, as Absolutely. we know. Uh, Manchester City oh. went to the King Power. Now, Leicester beat them 5-2 at the Etihad early in the season, so yeah. it's time for City to get some revenge. It's exactly what they did. I mean, there was only one team in that game, wasn't there, with that 2-0 win? Yeah, Leicester were very poor, weren't they? But, I mean, in, in saying that, you see, I mean, I think Man City kind of almost took their foot off the gas and sort of saw this as, well, look, we're going to win this one, so we're just going to sort of relax and chill out a bit and maybe uh, maybe put all their energy and hard efforts into it. Into a game that so Leicester were poor man they were poor honestly yeah I mean it uh, I've said it kind of throughout the season anytime Leicester have a slightly weakened side they just don't yeah. look the same and they kind of did have that full full strength side but I thought City were good Fernandinho was brilliant in the midfield him yeah, and solid. De Bruyne I think they were just what they were doing to kind of break up the play and win these little fouls and give them away as well really disrupted Leicester's kind of counter-attacking style we saw a couple couple of chances Ian Acho and Vardy but they never really got into the game apart from them on the counter-attack and then what a lovely goal from Benjamin Mendy on his right foot as well yeah uh, yeah that's right I mean he's, he's, he's got to uh, he's going to start scoring a few now isn't he you know in the maybe he's going to take off where Gundogan left off you know what I mean yeah. but uh, it's, yeah, it's start, a shame start playing in a false nine or something something like that it I mean, it's a shame, really, that the combination of Ignacio and Vardy, which which on paper looks like a very good decision, and it just hasn't kind of sort of paid off for them yet, really, has it? No, it, it, it hasn't. I mean, it's been interesting because Ignacio has been brilliant, yeah. um, named Premier League Player of the Month for the for the last month, but Vardy's been going on a goal drought. Yeah. If, if both of them are firing, they'd be scoring loads of goals. I know they've been having a great season, but Ignacio's yeah. kind of ruffled a few feathers, surprised a lot of people. I think he got six goals in the, in, in the last month, and he, right, he was yeah. fantastic. I mean, a lot of them came, three of them came at Sheffield United, albeit. Um, but yeah, Vardy's just not found form. It's been a shame to see. But talking of not found, not finding form, Pierre Emerick or Bamiang, oh, uh, Arsenal nil, Liverpool free. I'm going to set a two minute timer, and you're going to talk the whole way through until I tell you to stop. Marakelionic, right. right. <laughs> about what? About Arsenal and and Arsenal what's going v. on Liverpool. there? Well, you you saw the game yourself, didn't it? It's just you know Rocky Row Castle number seven, the big number seven. It's sort of you know commemorating everything that he done at the club and died two. Young, etc., and they were all wearing their number seven shirts out there, kicking. I thought, yes, come on, this is it. We're gonna, we're gonna have some of this, and we've done Liverpool already. And um, what the hell was that? What was it? I mean, if if you can't perform because David Luiz isn't in your back four or back three or whatever, then you're already on a downward slope. You know what I mean? There's, there's, like you say, there's people that just aren't firing in that team. Don't know what's happened to Aubameyang. Um, really, I mean, he's. He's just off click of sorts. Do you know what I mean? Pepe, again, didn't really do anything to surprise. He always looks like the little boy that's, you know, who spilled all that milk over there? And Pepe, no, it wasn't me. You know, he just always looks like that, you know, um, like a, a scared rabbit in the headlights or something. But yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to bang on too much. Like I say, we've got crucial players missing and now we're plagued by injury. Um, a lot of people over on AFTV um, are screaming for Arteta's head. Now, one thing I will just touch on with AFTV, and that is uh, about Claude right because Claude is one of the genuine guys that I really like over there you know I know they've got a, a lot of um, 
undesirables, we'll say, stop me from swearing. But um, Claude was one of the genuine guys, all, all heart and, uh, and commemorance, uh, I mean, commiserations to his family. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to be missed. But imagine what that man would say. That's what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And the Arteta out, guys, I just, I honestly kind of, I say it every time. We had Arsene Wenger here for 21 years. We're not yeah. going to sack Arteta after a season. It's simply no. not an option. And people have got very short memories yeah. if they start to jump on that bandwagon straight away. But, um, Mario, obviously, you've been an Arsenal fan for a lot, many more years than I have. What yeah. memories do you have of Rocky Rowcastle? Oh, he was he was quality. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing you can really say about him. Really, he was just um, that hasn't already been said. I mean, he was just a superstar at the club. He knew where the back of the net was. He was a he was a, a, a player's player. Um, he was a fan's favourite. Um, he scored some memorable goals. Um, definitely, like I say, in two minutes you can't really get into what Rocky Rowcastle did at Arsenal, uh, other than just to say the man's got legendary status up there with Thierry Henry and the likes of Dennis Burkamp and all those guys. Man, absolute legend. Yeah, it's a fitting tribute. He scored a load of goals against Tottenham as well. Um, so uh, you're always going to become an Arsenal legend if that happened. But how far, <laughs> how far away that seemed from from Saturday, as yeah. you said. I mean, it, it was just one of those games we never looked like scoring at all. Um, but one thing I know you want to touch on is kind of this international break. It's happened in the middle of a of a pandemic. Most teams playing free games, yeah. and now they come back to the Premier League, and we've had a bit of a crazy weekend of football. Um, what, what what do you make of all of this? And should we even be having international breaks? I know the Euros around the corner, but you know what impact did the international break have on the Premier League this weekend? It's a really weird world at the moment, Freddie. And I think like like the um, and I'm not saying West Brom are, are going to have any excuses, but I think part of the reason why they managed to knock Chelsea about uh, five two at home and deservedly so so keep smiling Luke Brown was because they haven't really got any players in the international break you know so they were kind of a little bit fresher and this is just my opinion I think and, and whereas Chelsea did you know we had all the Chilwells the Mounts and everything and all that were all away on international duty uh, and plus you're playing three games a week as well uh, not, not a week but you know what I mean it's 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 busy out there and um, and especially if you've got players that are that are international stars uh, you're going to feel the pressure a, a little bit more I think that's a personal opinion so I think it is it is kind of having an impact, definitely. Should it continue? Well, yes, really. We want the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting because I think the commentator did say on that game, West Brom had five players away and Chelsea had six. But right. um, if you look at some of these smaller sides, they're going to be either players from, from smaller countries. Mm. Um, you, you know, we've seen a few kind of, of maybe your your lower tier kind of Premier League strikers will now go and play for, you know, your Jamaica or your Wales who yeah. will maybe have played for, for England on the 21s earlier in their career. Now they're playing for smaller countries where they've got heritage from. Sure. Um, or they'll, you know, or they will, they will just won't be featuring. You'll have players at West Brom. Yeah. I mean, Ivanovic, obviously, it's a tough one for him. I don't know if he went away of Serbia, obviously came on, made a great tackle and got injured. And mm. when that happened, I thought it really isn't West Brom's day, is it? But no. yeah, I mean, that'll always happen with international breaks. But why we're cramming in free games, you know, it, it did seem a bit crazy. But I mean, three of them were World Cup qualifiers for England. And I mean, I know there are a couple of friendlies in there. And mm. 
Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one, but I did enjoy it because it, there was a lot of women's football over that international break weekend, and normally it would be non-league day, yeah. and then a load of people go to non-league games. So we kind of missed a kind of missed a chance really with the pandemic, as you said. But talking of yeah, non-league, yeah. Big, big big news, news. from here in Hertfordshire, Brett Donnelly. It was announced on March the thirtieth. That Stockfall Stockfall see announcing that Brett Donnelly will be taking over from Luke Gregson as manager of the first team. What what are your yeah. initial thoughts? The second you heard that, was it a no bye bye Brett or was it a good luck to the lad? Well, it was. Uh, there must be more pubs in Stockfold than there are in Itchen. And uh, right, oh, listen, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that, Brett. You haven't, don't have to come looking for me, mate. Um, well, yeah, no. I mean, it's the next evolutionary step in his career, isn't it? I mean, he's he's been uh, he's been right hand man to Mark Burke for a, for a few years now, and and now's the time for him to go go off and and do it for himself. And and all the best to him. I wish him absolutely all the best. Uh, one thing I find interesting, obviously, we went to Stockfold for their pre-season friendly with Hitchin. It was that windy night, remember? And it was oh, kind of yeah. a tough one for us up on the gantry doing commentary. But um, <laughs> they've had Luke Gregson at the helm there as a player manager for many years. Yeah. So what do you think the transition is going to be like going from a from a player manager to a manager? Do you think the players will actually be quite happy that they've kind of got someone who, who now will remain on yeah. the touchline, you know, doing all the tactics from there? Or do you think they've kind of adjusted to having a player manager? manager player managers have never really been my kind of desirable pot of honey do you know what i mean i think um when you've got a player manager it's it, it is just sort of you're, you're torn between the devil and the deep blue sea you know do you play do you manage you can't really do it's difficult to do but not that i've ever done it but i you know i can imagine now somebody like brett donnelly going there who commands respect and knows his football um and definitely knows the the sideline as, as well as the pitch i mean hopefully he won't be putting himself out there as uh, as player manager i think he's going to be a solid manager on his own I think uh, you're trying to hang the boots up Brett they can stick them next to mine mate um but yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot better for Stockfold. The players can concentrate. Um, and when you're a player manager, I don't know if, if this is a true in Luke Gregson's case, but you're kind of on the touchline thinking, oh, I'm going to come on, I'm going to come on, you know, because he ain't doing this and he ain't doing what I'm saying. So I'm going to, you know, and it's that kind of, uh, I don't know, I, that would put me off if I was a player, knowing that the manager can suddenly jump in on the field and start attacking me from the pitch. So uh, I think it'd be good for him. Yeah, it's a good point because almost as a player manager, you've, you've still got that player part of your brain, which almost takes stuff away from your managerial responsibilities yeah. in the touchline. And Brett was a player coach at both Hitchin and Biggleswey. So, yeah, he's really been there, done that. He's he's done absolutely everything in non-league. Mm -hmm. I think he's a perfect man to have at the helm. Here's what Mark, Mark Burke had to say. Uh, now, Burke, was speaking to the club's website. He said, firstly, I'd like to re reiterate my thanks to Brent Donnelly for his help over the years as both player and coach. It's a great conduct between management and players and will be, um, will be missed. Stockfold is a great opportunity for Brett to cut his teeth as a number one and I wish him the best of luck. I will always be available if he needs any help. Now, Mark Burke, we talked to Kane Smith, didn't we? And he said how, yeah. how helpful Burke was when Kane was was choosing his move away from Hitchin and, you know, setting up the link between Kane and Boreham Wood to make that transfer happen. I mean, there, there aren't many people better than Mark Burke to learn from a non-league and Brett's just picked up such valuable experience at top field. Yeah, exactly. And now he can take that over to Stockfold and, and fly with it, you know. Uh, and I think uh, if if uh, if Brett needs a couple of loanees, you know what I mean, Mark will look after him and uh, it's it's nice to know. It also it also closens the bond, if that's even a word, uh, between yeah. Stockfold and Hitchin, um, you know, as, as footballing teams in, in Hertfordshire. Um, so I think it's, it's all good. It's all looking good.
It, it's a really good move, and there's always been close links between them. Max Ryan was most recently playing there on loan. There's going to be a lot of Hitchin players and a lot of youth players yeah. who are going to be looking for an opportunity to play some football. And there's always a cut. There's already a couple ex Hitchin players there. Kieran Barnes, he's playing there uh, as well. So there's always been a good link between the two clubs. But going back to top field and the border, Karina, yeah. uh, Mark Burke's acted quickly to fill the vacancy. He's promoted Josh Bickerstaff and Michael Jones to become joint first team coaches. Both of those two work in the academy. Bickerstaff, a former Hitchin player a long-time yep. servant at the club. But I think this is fantastic news to the academy players. Michael Jones, he's a full-time coach at the Pro Direct Academy. He's got his UEFA B coaching badges. He really knows his stuff. Yeah, I know, um, And this is this is just great news for the players in the academy, you know, in terms of creating a bond to the first team. I know something you're, you're you know, you're really, really passionate about. Yep. And I think this is only going to be good news for Hitchin and those academy players. Yeah, absolutely. With those with those signs, I know, I know Jones, he is, he's youth all the way through, you know what I mean? He's, he's in for bringing players through as is Berkey you know what I mean and and like with Josh Bickerstaff who knows Hitchin Town Football Club the way it ticks and the way it talks it's it's a nice little it's a nice little partnership that I see they're trying to develop there and like you say youth players now um, know that there's a route in not only through Hitchin but also through through Stockfold as well now so uh, great this is this is positive and what what you know Mark Campbell and I used to <laughs> used to claw at the bit trying to get uh, you know <laughs> clubs to do it um, good to see it happening it's a great move for all parties, isn't it? And Brett will be missed, but you feel Absolutely. like someone like him, you know, he's got to kind of fly the nest at some point, hasn't he, in, in some ways, and go on and take that chance at Stockfold. And then one final bit, we hear Stockfold, they don't play Monday nights. Hitchin are one of the only sides who play Monday nights. Brett's going to be down at Topfield when Hitchin are back playing uh, on Mondays. Now, we've got to get him on commentary. Oh, yeah, of course, we will have to. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just working on a beep machine at the moment, just for when he does <laughs> come over uh, and start doing commentaries for us. But yeah, no, Brett, listen, if you're listening in, mate, absolutely get yourself down there. We've got a spare mic and a spare pair of headphones for you. Yeah, and best of luck to you as well, Brett. I know absolutely. you've been running around hitching a lot, keeping fit, and was apparently on the, the verge of a hitching return, but I think the physio flatly refused, didn't want to be dealing with him anymore. <laughs> so maybe that's part of the reason for the move to Stockholm. Anyway, yeah. it's a whole different world in the UEFA Champions League, and we're going to be previewing that uh, right now on the Canary Club podcast. Four games. Yeah. Um, and I said this last time, whoever, whoever's the fixtures administrator at UEFA needs to be replaced by Chris Newbold, who does it at Hitchin, does a much better job than this UEFA lad. Yeah. Because this Tuesday, we've got Man City v Dortmund and Real v Liverpool. And then on Wednesday, we got Bayern v PSG and Porto v Chelsea. Why are they both on the same day at the same kickoff time? Surely we can move it two hours back and then it's all, it's all sorted. Uh, your guess on that one is as good as mine, Freddie. I mean, nothing infuriates uh, Jurgen Klopp no more, more than sort of being <laughs> stuck in the middle of the week. And, and and you know, let's hope it's not an eleven thirty in the morning kickoff there over in uh, over in Spain. Um, but yeah, no, it's a bit bonkers, isn't it? But I think most people have got access to two screens now, and they can can at least watch. Uh, you know, split your brain in half mm. and kind of try and watch it, or or just watch one and then watch it back on the uh, on the playback. Uh, watch the other the other game on playback. But yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, well, for me, I'm going to be watching Real Liverpool on Tuesday and Bayern v PSG on the Wednesday. But obviously, by the time second leg comes around, you'll have a better idea of where the game's at and maybe you can switch between them or whatever. If there's, sure. if there's a lot to play for. Let's start with Man City uh, versus Borussia Dortmund at the Etihad. Yep. 
Um, Dortmund, really not a good season so far. They've played well in the Champions League. Lost again on on Saturday to Eintracht Frankfurt. A good German side, though, to be fair, Frankfurt. Plenty, yeah. of, plenty of talent in, in that side. They've been doing well for a few years now. Um, obviously, Dortmund, not a good season. No. But Erling Haaland, Jadon Sancho, Jude Bellingham... Yeah, they've, they've got they've got enough there just in Holland to kind of terrorize Man City's defense. No, you know, form does kind of go out the window in some in some respects just because of Erling Holland. Sure, I mean, yeah, they've they've got the ingredients to make a very nice cake, haven't they? Um, but just for some reason, they're just not binding together. Uh, like you say, they're, they're they're having a very good Champions League. I mean, they're in the quarterfinals, so. Uh, um, but in the league, it just ain't kind of happening for them. Whereas Man City is, uh, they're on fire at the moment. Um, you know, they're they're doing well in the Champions League. They're uh, they're scratching a living in the in the Premiership as well. So that's going to be a tight one there, I think. Yeah, it is. And you feel like City, I mean, obviously going to Dortmund away in, in the past before the pandemic is a bit of a nightmare task for a second leg. You know the atmosphere oh, yeah. there. Absolutely. You know the players will make it back to the wall, make it really tough for you. And actually Dortmund playing behind closed doors, maybe that's been a part of their failures this season. Yeah, I think some, some clubs definitely... Um definitely feed off of the crowds you know what I mean there's there's loads of clubs around that you just think oh god I don't want to go there you know the fans are straight on your back uh, and, and they make you feel uncomfortable but of course with the current situation that all goes out the window so there's no real home and away kind of pressure going on at the moment which which could be beneficial for, for City especially in the return match now the other game at Tuesday 8pm kickoff is Real Madrid v Liverpool a clash Scorcher. of titans the Spanish, uh, I think they're the Spanish champions anyway, um, against the English champions. Real, not quite having the season they did last season anyway, but we know about the talent they have. And obviously Liverpool, um, if you cast the Arsenal defeat aside, I mean, they, they, they have not been good at all this season. No. But could still win the Champions League. I mean, you could, you wouldn't put it past them to go and beat Real Madrid here. You really wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I hope they don't. And that's no itchy backup from Arsenal because at the the way Arsenal are at the moment in a transitional period, anyone can beat them. Um, but um, Real Madrid, different monster. You know, Liverpool need to be on the top of their game to go to Real and beat them. Midfield, I think the midfield clash will be absolutely vital. I thought Thiago and uh, Fabinho were fantastic on yeah. Saturday, kind of stopping Erdegaard and, and Partey, terrorising them yes. and making their night really hard. And I think that if, you know, them going up against Kroos and Modric and Casemiro in that midfield and Isco, mm. I think that's going to be where the game's lost and won. It's going to be a really interesting battle in the middle. Um, now, last season's finals, Bayern Munich against PSG, uh, a game won by Kingsley Komen, uh, 1-0 uh, in, in Portugal. Those sides meet again PSG they lost on on uh, on Saturday they lost 1-0 uh, to I want to say Lens but I'll, I'll check that out for you anyway you could but, be right. uh, they had Neymar sent off but fortunately for them obviously that ban doesn't carry over in, in, into the Champions League but Neymar sent off for two yellow cards and both of them fairly ridiculous ones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bayern Munich, they beat Leipzig, a really important game for them at the top of the, the German title race. Yeah. And I think they'll be favourites going into this one and probably favourites to win the competition. Yeah, I've got I've got Bayern um, pegged down as probably potential winners of the competition. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, they, uh, they're not the team they were last year, are they? Um, even with Neymar running around and stuff. I mean, he's a great player, but he's also a great, 
player, if you know what I mean. He'll fall over and he'll spend, uh, I think in the World Cup, he spent 14 minutes on the ground or something, didn't he? <laughs> something ridiculous yeah, if, like if that. If not longer, yeah. If not longer. And kind of, them kind of players there, I really do have a problem with you know I don't I don't like them so no matter how good they are I always kind of <laughs> think well you just fall <laughs> over mate so uh, but yeah no Bayern Munich are, are, are the um, definite yeah, potential winners of that competition for me good to good fun to watch Mbappe and Lewandowski go about it but Lewandowski is always a player who ups his game when the opposition strikers someone you know someone like Mbappe or Holland it yeah. just makes Lewandowski even hungrier um, one interesting battle would be Josh Kimmich luckily for Bayern return to the side uh, for for Saturday's game, previously they had Nicholas Sula, uh, who's not really a kind of right back material if you look at him and how he plays. But with Kimmich back, I think he'll be doing a job on Neymar. Um, so that's I think that's a big boost for for Bayern. And then uh, the final game, Porto v Chelsea. Porto absolutely phenomenal against Juventus, fully deserved knocking them out. And it was Ronaldo at fault for for the winning goal, went all the way to extra time, which is quite rare, rare because of the away, away goals rule. Yeah, obviously Chelsea coming off the back of a defeat to West Brom Porto will be really up for this yeah and uh, and Chelsea better watch out as well because um, there's two teams in Portugal Porto and Benfica and they're both kind of on fire at the moment and uh, and the most <laughs> the most on fire <laughs> is Porto <laughs> um, they, they've they've just been a, a different class and they and uh, and and with Chelsea's uh, episodes going on in the Premier League I just think that uh, a trip a trip to Porto with or without fans is just going to be a little bit too much for them uh, now the the second leg is going to be played in Seville so what would Chelsea's yep. be home uh, what would be Chelsea's home leg will be played over in Spain. Apart from that, all of the games are going to be played in their rightful stadium, which is quite good to see a few of the travel bands kind of easing up a bit. Yes. Um, now, next up, it's our big player at Manchester City. We're going to be discussing Ooh. where he's going next. Sergio Aguero. Yeah. Kind of a player I absolutely love watching, apart from when he plays against Arsenal, obviously, yeah. but such a clinical striker. There's going to be a statue built of him outside the Etihad. I mean, there aren't many big, much bigger honours than that are there in football not really but there's not many bigger players like Aguero either is there in Man City I mean he when he went to Man City it, it just it just knocked him up a, a huge league you know there was I was jealous uh, and even at 32 <laughs> years old I'd rather have Aguero at Arsenal than Willian um you know, and we'll pay him that, pay him that same kind of money as well. Uh, but of course, he's not going to come to Arsenal. Um, the favourites at the moment, I believe you've uh, you've selected a Barcelona, PSG, Juventus, Dortmund, Athletic. So no, listen, no no shortage of teams with their arms <laughs> open saying, "Come, come to us." I don't think he's going to have a problem. But wherever he goes, he's he's going to shine, isn't he? Like a star. It's the injury I worry I mean about. Yeah, he's not hanging about, is he? I no. mean, it's it's not like he's he's forty one and he maybe might go and play in the Italian second division or anything. Or in Japan, going to leave City. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a bit of a risk here. I mean, you know, are any are any clubs actually going to want me? And then you look at it: Barcelona, PSG, Juventus, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think Atletico Madrid are a really interesting option. He spent five years there uh, after moving from Argentina. Started out at Independiente. Um, now, Atletico, top of La Liga, only just they lost to Sevilla last night. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, if Atleti go and win the Spanish, you know, the Spanish league, I think that'll be a really attractive option for Aguero. And maybe they'll emerge as favourites yeah. over Barcelona. We know the problems Barca are going through. So Atletico could be a really good move um, there. Um, 
Borussia Dortmund. I mean, it doesn't look like they'll be keeping Haaland, but maybe they'll really fight to get Aguero in to replace him. Yeah, well, they'll need to do something if they lose Haaland. So um, <laughs> all, all good power to him. But I think you're right. Uh, Atletico Madrid with that, with uh, Suarez and Yao Felix from Benfica. I mean, two quality players. Uh, and, and Suarez has certainly got a lot of bite up front. And yes, pun is intended. Um, and then slip Aguero into that little equation up there. And that's a dangerous front three than I've seen anywhere in the world at the moment. Yeah, it does look like it. I think um, it's kind of a, an aging team. It's always been an aging team at yeah, Mexico. Yeah. It's kind of always been a bit of an old boys club. Yeah. And maybe after then, it'll go back to Independiente. We saw we sort of Carlos Tevez played for Juve, yeah. finish up there, then went back to his home hometown club of Boca Juniors. And you feel like Aguero's kind of got a bit more to give before that move. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's. it's it, 32 years old when you were playing football back in the back in the dinosaur age right if you reach 32 you're out to pasture you're out there with red rum and the likes of um or <laughs> desert desert orchid and, and all those nags out there you're out to pasture by the time you're 32 but now you, you keep seeing players that in their 30s that are regularly playing you know 30 i know jagielka had a nightmare but 37 years old 38 i think he is and he's still running around in the premier league yeah, oldest oldest player this season, uh, Phil Jagielka, and behind him is Branislav Ivanovic. So those two kind of leading the line. But we've had older than that. Normally goalkeepers um, yeah. as well. But yeah, let's see where Aguero goes and and wherever he goes, we know he'll be scoring goals. And uh, I think it was great that Pep played him against Leicester at the weekend. Played him alongside Jesus because yeah. it's kind of I think you know now he's announced that he's going at the end of the season. We don't know how long he's known he's going to do that, but mm. you feel like it'll be great motivation for City to give him a good send off, whether that means winning the Premier League the Champions League I mean they talk about the quadruple for me I think yeah. they can do it whether they will who knows but well, it's you on. know it looks like it's a perfect season for Aguero and we really hope he'll get a send off in terms of fans being at the Etihad yeah well that would point. be ideal wouldn't it Freddie really I mean it would be lovely to have the fans see him off um but we'll just have to see how the general public behave themselves um, when, when the <laughs> chains come off, um, you know, and um, hopefully, yeah, like you say, we can we can get the crowds back coming in and just be sensible, you know, like they're doing in Japan, you know, a bit of social distancing, wearing masks, no shouting and screaming. Uh, have we got the obedience to pull it off? Well, time will tell. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it depends Depends what club, I suppose. But um, yeah, two, uh, two sets of fans at games in Canaries Worldwide. There were fans at the Nemo and Grodno game in Belarus and there were fans in Japan. So we're kind of starting to see them come back. And there would have been fans at the Gifu game as well. Uh, that one was postponed due to COVID-19. And two positive cases in the Gifu side. They'll be really disappointed about that. Obviously, we've got, we were talking about them last week. We got off to such a great start to the season. And yes. now it's kind of hit a brick wall. It'll be really disappointing. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the game was cancelled, obviously, two, two positive tests going on. But despite that cancellation, FC Giffy remained in second place, seven out of three. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be frustrated um, that they can't sort of get out there. I mean, especially if you're flying at the moment, you know, you want to go bang and then they're clear at the top. That's still early days, you know, It's uh, but... but you want to be at the top in the early stages rather than clawing your way at the bottom. Um, and and Giffy are having a great season. Yeah, they are. And it's weird because it's almost in the latter stages, it's kind of great to say, oh, we've got games in hand. But at the early stages, we're going to play all your games and, you know, get yourself out in front. So it, it does kind of does kind of vary um, where, where you are in the season. Now, Norwich, they've got seven games left in the championship, but they drew one all with Preston North End at Deepdale. So dropping two points, there was a 95th minute Brad Potts deflected equaliser. Uh, one hell of a way to kind of draw the game in the end. It was her unlucky goal. Norwich kind of dominated 
today. Buendia, Emi Buendia, the Spaniard scored a beautiful goal about 15 minutes in. Uh, but Norwich remains six points clear at the top of the championship. Uh, in Belarus, them and Grodno, they lost 1 0 uh, to Dynamo Brest. It was a first defeat in three games at the start of the Belarusian season for them. Uh, only won the first division once in 2002. It uh, doesn't look like maybe that will be happening uh, for a while yet. They dominated this game, though. The lion's share of the chances at home conceded 11 minutes from time there, and they'll be ruining missed opportunities. Mm. And South Africa, we headed to Johannesburg. I'd love to go to South Africa at some yeah. point. Go and watch the football and the cricket out there. It looks like a lovely place to go and visit. Yeah, we will. We will one day. I mean, uh, yeah, the Arrows <laughs> the arrows uh, managed to get themselves a draw. Again, the second 90th minute equaliser for the Canaries um, came in Johannesburg um, for the Swallows. Um, so the Arrows are going to be absolutely gutted about that, losing three points and uh, having to settle for a point. But they, uh, they do still remain second. And uh, who knows? Come on, you Arrows. Title challenge, it, it, it's on. Maybe we'll we'll fly out to South Africa for their last game of the season. Be wonderful. Yeah, invite us on. if you if you if you're listening to this, we're happy to bring the radio over there and and do a show for you. We we would love to come over and yeah, maybe we'll see what we can do. Get someone on the podcast from there. We know there's a couple of South African listeners uh, in Belgium. Japanese connections here, Marek. You'll be glad to hear about this. It was a first win in seven for Sintroidens. Uh, they won two one against KV Mechelen, and it was set up by Japanese striker Yuma Suzuki's fifteenth goal of the season. Yeah. He's been absolutely instrumental in helping his side out of the relegation zone. And yeah. just scoring for fun at the moment. Great to see, you know, great to see someone from Japan uh, over in Belgium. This got me thinking: Who's the best Japanese player? Do you think of all time? I know it's kind of Whoa. unrelated to Suzuki scoring fifteen. Yeah, no, he's he's, Troiden, he's not in the ratings. Just who do you think's the best? Who do you think's the goat of Japanese football? Oh God, you can still say Gon Nakamura because uh, he he's the greatest Japanese player of all time in my eyes. You know, because the man's the, the, the and, and Miura as well. I mean, you, mm. you've got to give him credit. The man's <laughs> still playing football in the in the top flight of Japanese, although he don't get many minutes now. He's still very influential in the game. So you've got those tridents there and I mean they've, they've always been at the top of their game um, and then we had um, names escape me Manchester United Kagawa Kagawa yeah. thank you very much yeah again um, a superb player yeah, yeah, Russia Dortmund as well. Now, well, let's head over to Japan. Obviously, only one game there for Canaries all well, like, this season. Yeah. And it was at a stadium that you've been to. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, old rivals, Jeff United on their losing streak once more. Um, this time to our old rivals from the J1, Kyoto Purple Sanga. Uh, losing 2-1 at the Kyoto Nishiyogoku, don't want to say that before I've had a coffee, the uh, Kyoto Nishiyogoku Athletic Stadium. Um, yes, I've been there. It's a beautiful place to go and visit. So if you are in Japan, you have to head over to Kyoto. It's the, it's the original capital city of Japan uh, and it's still wonderful and oozing with culture I definitely recommend it as a trip even if you're going to watch Jeff and we get turned over so the goals <laughs> arrived on 33 minutes by Matsuda Tema and on the 68th minute by Shinpei Fukuoka which is another tricky one to say um, and, yes. and then the game just kind of uh, pittered out with um, with Kyoto kind of Losing a little bit of concentration towards the last couple of minutes, uh, which left uh, Arai Iki uh, to score a goal for Jeff United. So uh, we're now second from the bottom with five points in six games. So uh, Jifu might come up, um, Jeff United might go down. 
Yeah, I was just thinking that. Oh, mad. That'd be typical, you know, we want to see them play each other. And they, yeah, they might just go go their separate ways. You know, another side looked like they might be going down over in France, FC Nantes. Uh, they lost again to Nice. Nice, a really good side, though. It was a brace from Danish international Casper uh, Dolberg. It was at Ajax a couple of seasons ago. Really experienced striker. Uh, condemned Nantes to their 13th defeat of the season. Now, their next two games come against... Um, Stade Rene uh, in northern France and Lyon um, and I mean the teams in and around the likes of Nîmes Olympique they've got much easier fixture lists yeah. um, kind of the other sides in relegation and contention I mean with Ron and Lyon coming up it's, it looks really tough and they've got to get some points out of those games but that PSG win they picked up a couple of weeks ago shows that they can do it against these big sides uh, but I think some nonce fans will be already preparing for second tier football oh. uh, next season. They're not done yet, though, um, but it's looking really tough for Nantes over in France. Hopefully they can pick it up um, over in uh, Spain. No. Go on, you can do the Spanish one. I do like following Las Palmas anyway. I yeah. mean, some of these some of these stadiums, we got to head out here as well. So one of the horrible things about Canaries Worldwide is all these countries we want to go and visit. And That's football. not horrible. That's good. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe. It's a big world out there. So we're stuck inside his kitchen. It was actually snowing a bit this morning, yeah, believe it, it or not. It's been yeah. that kind of crazy week. But Las Palmas, I told you last week they were going to go up against Tenerife in the Canary Islands derby. Then they drew that with one. They drew that game one all, and they brought that confidence into midweek. They fresh de Lugo six goals to one. Uh, but it was another draw against an island side last night. They drew one all with Arte de Mallorca. Uh, good result for Palmas, though. Uh, Mallorca up in second. And Jesse Rodriguez, the former PSG and Stoke man, is starting to find form. A couple of goals on Wednesday night and another assist yesterday. Uh, we talked about kind of his importance for Las Palmas. A couple of old boys coming in there and really helping them out uh, in the Spanish second division. Finally, in Algeria, JS Kabili has kind of been a bit stop and start in their league campaign. Uh, they had a nice distraction in the CAF Confederations Cup, which is equivalent to the African Champions League. Uh, they went to Morocco, faced RS. Burkane. Uh, they drew that drew that one nil nil. Played the last thirteen minutes with ten men. Uh, it was a draw there. Um, play the as I said, play the last thirty minutes with ten players. I mean, they seem to pick up red cards every week. I yeah. mean, as a manager, do, yeah. how, how do you kind of control this when they keep picking up red cards? I mean, obviously some of them are going to be unfortunate, but this one was for persistent fouling, according to the match report. What do you do as a manager? Is it? I mean, obviously they're going to sit out the suspension. Yeah. But then do you almost do you almost keep them on the bench there, or do you say, look, this is your last chance? Obviously, maybe you look at Granite Xhaka in the Premier League as an example. Well, yeah, Granite Shack has had his last chance saloon a long time ago, as far as I'm concerned. And um, but well, I'm not going to go to Arsenal, right? Yeah. So, what do you do if if you're a manager and you've got if it's the same player consistently getting a red card? Besides what you say to him, he goes on the transfer list or he goes down into the reserves until he can learn some discipline. Uh, and if he can't learn discipline, um, then he's no use at the club, is he? Because he's just going to pull the club into disrepute. I mean, they was they was very fortunate to hang on to a, a nil nil, um, Kabaili. Um, but, you know, you don't want players consistently getting sent off. It, it, it costs you the game, you know, the West Brom, Chelsea, you know, you lose a, a player of, of stature uh, out of the game for his stupidness. Um, then it's not going to be very good for the club. If he's unlucky to get it or if he gets the red card through effort and trying and making a tackle and trying to be a good player, then obviously it's training sessions and, and you kind of pull him out of it and a bit of consolation to him for, for saying, look, don't worry, what you're doing is right. You're just not getting your timings right and stuff like that. So a lot depends on, on how this is happening. No, I agree with you there. And sometimes you get these players, you know, who will pick up red cards for stupid things and then they'll end up picking one up 
and and it was actually just a decent tackle because of their reputation yeah. you know the the referee's going to be going to be less lenient with them and that's kind of one of the risks you have if if you keep picking up red cards it's, it's just yeah. going to kind of a a downward slope um but anyway it's the end of another podcast any plans for the rest of the day for you Marek here in Hitchin it stops snowing maybe out for a walk later yeah it's not really walking weather at the moment for me it's the wind you know it's the wind that cuts mm. through you when you get to my age you know you go out there in a coat and if you've just got a little little bit at the top show showing you know your neck just feels it and it's I went out yesterday even though it was a bit sunny yesterday that wind came across and uh, and sure enough we had snow this morning which is crazy it has stopped now um, but I'm going to relax indoors I think and maybe do some music production very nice. Well, I'm off to play football against Hitchin Town Tannoy Row, foot golf, sorry, against Hitchin Town Tannoy Rowan Scalfield tomorrow. So on Monday, Wonderful. next podcast, I will report on the outcome of that game. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute cracker. So, Marek, another podcast done. Absolutely. Um, any, any final thoughts from you? Um, yeah, I was just going to say if you've got some karma to pay back, start doing it now and do some nice things to the people out there.